Hello, this is Dr. Paul Cottrell, and I'm going to be talking about the Bank of Japan and some of the history of it. This reference material is coming from a documentary and a book that that uh, Richard Werner um, wrote, and he's an economist. He's a, 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 has a doctorate, and he actually coined the term quantitative easing. So he has a, 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 a unique perspective on how central banks really work, and that's why I'm, I'm lecturing it. This is going to be a series of central banking lectures that um, kind of solidify a new concept that I have with artificial intelligence and how this might be um, encased in in a new type of central banking that's tied into crypto type technologies and, and uh, artificial intelligence to try to correct some of the behaviors that we that we're seeing with current central banking so this is a new a, a new technology and a new philosophy that I'm trying to propose here but to lay the foundation of this proposal I have to show that some of the the history of the different central uh, of different central banks and how it became pernicious activity uh, for society and that how it has to be unraveled and moved into a, a, a new regime and some of my early research uh, for my PhD was involving what uh, what is called a knowledge accelerator and that knowledge accelerator is kind of like a um, agent-based modeling technique that uh, implements automatic stabilizers by referencing certain metrics in a system and self-corrects. So this is why it kind of ties to artificial intelligence. So there is some opportunity to be able to apply a knowledge accelerator into central banking and maybe actually uh, correct some of the inflationary, deflationary, bubble-type scenarios that take place in modern economics. At least that's the, the hypothesis. So I, I'm going to lay the foundation of some of the history of central banking in certain regions of the world and then move towards this concept of automatic, automatic stabilization for central banks where we no longer have the infrastructure the central bank and the and the um, um, the reserve banks being in control of the currency and the currency is actually in control from the sovereign nation. So it's what I'm proposing is really radical. So you know, but I have to do it methodical to to, to show my show my case. So this lecture is about the BOJ, Bank of Japan, and the the Ministry of Finance and the battle between them. And then I'm going to, I, I've already done lectures on the history of the Federal Reserve that's already posted. I've done three, four years ago. And um, then I'll roll out this new concept of automatic, automatic stabilization within the Federal Reserve using artificial intelligence. So how, how do central banks create... Um, a economic, political, and, and social change environment. So based on Richard Werner's work 
on the princes the, the princes of of the yen discussing the transformation of the japanese economy and i believe he also wrote a book called um uh new macroeconomic paradigms i haven't read it yet I, ha I have the book i think it's new paradigms in macroeconomics and once i read that i'll also critique the book as well as the princess of the end so based on his work they there was um gerald MacArthur. Right after the war, right after we um, were able to have Japan capitulate and do an unconditional surrender, uh, MacArthur um, General MacArthur goes to the island of Japan, and that that was in August of uh, August thirtieth, nineteen forty five and starts to roll out this reconstruction effort so he's promoting democracy um the allies the, the you know the united states is you know now you know restructuring reconfiguring their economy now in the pre-war days japan actually had was was actually a very capitalistic society when it transformed during uh to ramp up into the war and during the war years they actually were eroding capitalism and became what, what Werner is calling the war economy. And it was much more um, state-owned, um, very much out of the playbook of, of the Reich, the, the Reich uh, um, was it the Reich, uh, Reichstag? So out of, from Germany, you know, there was publications of how to how to implement some of these economic control systems within the the uh, you know the Nazi regime, and Japan actually were instituting some of those during its war economy. And then after the war economy, they actually what's interesting is, is that during this reconstruction effort during World War II, that there were a lot of a lot of uh, Reichstag kind of policies that were maintained to maintain the power from the Ministry of Finance and as time went on there was a battle between the BOJ and the and the Ministry of Finance so it's it's when we were rolling out democracy in the United States or I'm sorry democracy in the in uh, from the United States to Japan what's interesting is is that Japan actually during during its economy actually maintained elements large elements of nazi fascism so that's where some of this you know some of the the uh you know the uh, uh surprise you know takes place with 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 the with japanese economy so it's supposed to promote democracy and get japan back on its feet censorship was instituted during this reconstruction effort cartoons of macarthur uh, MacArthur, yeah, macarthur um, were not allowed books about um, the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki were not allowed there were there, there were censorships of, of those books there were censorships of um, the rollout of quote democracy and the reconstruction effort during the late 1940s and 1950s 
Now, banks were uh, pretty much bankrupt after the war because of the the loans that were that were out, um, the war bonds that were issued and that were bought. Um, those loans and war bonds are it's defunct, so they they were basically bankrupt. So pretty much the whole economic structure, especially in the banking industry, was was um, was destroyed. So what happened was is that the central bank, instead of creating new banks, what the central bank did was it bought the war bonds that were on the balance sheets of these banks, even though the war bonds didn't effectively mean anything, uh, didn't have any tr true value. So what they did was to recapitalize the banks, the central bank, the BOJ, actually bought the war bonds to recapitalize the banks. All right. Now, what's interesting here is this is the same kind of concept. When the banks became dis defunct because of Lehman, the recapitalization that was taking place um, was somewhat similar. The Federal Reserve, it, it did it a couple different ways, but one way it did it was it actually bought bonds, toxic assets, if you want to, um, and put it on its balance sheet and, and gave money to the banks for recapitalization. It also, you know, loaned money on top of that and, you know, did, you know, other regulatory tools, applied other regulatory tools to help the, the balance sheets of, of the banks. But you had quantitative easing way back during the reconstruction effort in the 1940s for Japan. So they bought the bonds, and in 1959, there was um, there was amnesty for certain war criminals uh, in Japan. Now, what was happening was is that during this time period, even though we were trying to roll out democracy, what was happening was is that there was censorship. And there was this idea of uh, trying to stabilize the, the economy, and that economy wasn't necessarily free market capitalism. So w what happened was um, some of the war criminals were executed, um, but there were other lower war criminals that, or let, let me put it this way, other criminals that other war criminals that were, I think, they consider Class A, Class B, Class C. So Class A war criminals, but they were lower in in the society as 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 a person to look up to. Like Tojo would have been, you know, a, a, a Class A war criminal, but very high up in in um, um, popu uh, um, in um, visibility to the populace. These war criminals were a little bit lower. They weren't as visible. So there was there was individuals that the United States wanted to be in the BOJ and in the the Ministry of Finance that were war criminals and to 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 not seem as though it they were controlling the system even though they were the United States that there was amnesty for these war criminals so they would be able to come back into into the system 
So they wanted to reinstitute the war economy, but they needed the war criminals to help get back in. So by creating the amnesty, they were able to reestablish themselves in the Ministry of Finance and, and in BOJ and other industry and other ministries in Japan, such as the uh, educational ministry, which helped to indoctrinate children into thinking a certain way during the reconstruction effort. So the war criminals were allowed to work in certain ministries, for example, the educational ministry and the finance ministry, now because of the amnesty. Now the Americans uh, nationalized land and gave it to the farmers. So again, during pre-war, World War II, there was actually a very strong capitalistic Japan. When it started going into the war and expanding into, in, into Asia and, and expanding outward in the Pacific, and then eventually engaging in the United, with the United States, they actually transform a capitalistic economy during the war towards this, this uh, Nazi kind of economy, controlled economy. Um, and uh, then they lose the war and the United States is trying to implement democracy. Well, in reality, what was happening is, is that they were also, because of during this reconstruction effort, the, there was concern that there was an encroachment of uh, nationalism and communism um, that would retard the effort of, of democracy moving forward and free market capitalism. So one step that McCarthy, I'm sorry, MacArthur did was um, to make sure that the population were somewhat giving some, something in return to moving forward with the reconstruction effort and not move towards communism and stay with the United States free market capitalism um, um, concept. Plus the United States wanted Japan as a base to counteract communism um, and, and uh, um, you know, to be, have a foothold, a strong foothold in, in Asia uh, for a Eastern attack on, on Russia. We were doing a containment policy while we were containing them in, in Europe on the, on the Western side. So the, um, so land to, to counteract some of this communistic fervor that was starting to develop in Japan and which was happening around the world, actually. And what's interesting is the 1950s, socialism started to creep up in, in the UK. After, you know, so right after, right after the war, right after the war in Europe, um, and before the war ends in, in Asia, uh, Ch Chamberlain gets kicked out as prime minister of the UK. And what the, the government that actually moves in is actually a socialistic government. And this is where... Um, some of the warning signs that Orwell was starting to, to pick up, watch out for the police state and watch out for big government and all this stuff that was starting to take place. Um, so it reduced land owned by, by nationalizing the, the properties, it started to re, it reduce the number of landowners. 
so it helped to destroy the Zaibatsu class. So pre-war, the Zaibatsu class was very strong, but then what was happening is, is that because they were so strong, uh, things were starting to become nationalized during the war to try to destroy the Zaibatsu class, but there were still a lot of landowners, so the United States, after the war comes in and starts to erode the landowner ownership and started to give it to the people to try to buy them into this U.S. democratic open market um, philosophy on top of being on the side of the United States in terms of being an ally. Uh, so it's trying to, by giving land and doing the land reform, it was trying to win the hearts and minds of the people. Um, Zaibatsus were, were purged during this process uh, due to, quote, war activity. So um, it was spun as if, you know, if you were part of the capital class, you, you, you know, these Zaibatsus were too, too powerful and therefore had to be curtailed or eliminated. The American policy helped to, to finish wartime policies shutting down the Zaibatsu. So during so pre-war uh, during the war they were trying to shut down the Zaibatsu they couldn't do it all all right but when the United States came in the Zaibatsus could be completely shut down um, there was enough push to do it so that was you know pretty much what was going on during this transition period so post-war policy uh, Kishi San in 1957 was a Class A war criminal so this is back to the war criminal thing and he was um he he ended up becoming the the prime minister of japan now war criminal ends up being the prime minister of japan you know see there's this kind of rollback to a war economy instead of the real the way it was spun that the united states was going to you know bring democracy and a constitution even though it did it did bring a constitution they actually had a very strong controlled economy that was not free market capitalism it was actually a war economy that that, that was the miracle of Japan um, now that so during this during the post-war policy, so you had, you know, a Class A war criminal that ends up becoming the Prime Minister, and then it's the creation of the LDP. Um, and the LDP is a major party within the, uh, the Japanese, and it, it reigned for a long time. Um, and it was from... It was pushed by CIA, and it was, you know, and, and it was instituted by some of these war criminals, according to according to the documentary. And this is the liberal, the, the liberal Democratic Party, and this is to try to check the communism that was starting to creep up in Japan at the time, and that the CIA was involved to try to prevent that from happening and to control the government. So if it was a free market, if it was, you know, open. And it wasn't too controlled, then communism might come in and and take over, you know, take some roots in, in the Japanese uh, system. And the CIA was 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 worried about that and wanted more control. So they 
they funded and they they promoted the LDP, the the Liberal Democratic Party. Um, they were from the they were the bureaucrats of the war machine, um, and hence the Class A war criminals, and you know the, the bureaucrats of the war were the, the major leaders of this of the LDP now the LDP was in power for about 40 years so this is a long-standing so part of the economic uh, restructuring and 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 growth of, of Japan and hence was highly controlled by a war economy and war criminals and war bureaucrats um, in the LDP. So that's one of the paradigm shifts, I guess, uh, in, in the documentary and the book. Now, now, the war economy system, the war economy system was, uh, it had a lot of ministries, okay? You got to remember, it used to be a very capitalistic open market society. And then to control that and to try to reduce the strength of the Zaibatsus, what were happening is, is that it became, and it was a very shareholder mentality. So shareholders, to be able to control a war economy, you can't just, shareholders want profitability and, and dividends, not to roll the profits um, into new, you know, new um, businesses and, and, and growth. So... Uh, the Zaibatsus were more in tune to profitability and not growth or not orchestrated growth. But in a war economy, you have to have all this, you know, you, you, you had to focus on um, production and efficiency and, and getting, you know, more out of it, rolling the, the profits into the system to be able to have it grow instead of taking the money out of out of the business and giving it to the shareholders. So that was part of the reason why they wanted to destroy the Zaibatsu class, because they were short shareholder based. And and to and the government wanted to have more control of the industry to be able to do the munitions. So they wanted to destroy the Zaibatsus and have control, nationalize this stuff. So the war economy system uh, was based on building up, up up these ministries. So the the war economy system was this uh, Ministry of Finance, and the Ministry of Finance controlled the BOJ, the Bank of Japan, and the BOJ was the credit creation arm of the the um, Ministry of Finance. So the edicts of the fin the ministry would be well, we want um, you know uh, steel production to be at such and such or whatever. Now, the Ministry of Finance was in control of currency. Uh, uh, they, they did con currency control, but the actual credit creation was through the BOJ. And at this time, the BOJ was also involved in raising and lowering interest rates, so that was part of the mechanism. Now, the credit control um, The control of the, the Ministry of Finance uh, controlled the mint. It controlled the uh, national printing of the of the money. It controlled the um, uh, the cargo clearance for the nation. The 
Japan World Expo, uh, Housing Finance Agency, the National Research Institute of Buring, uh, so um, distilling, on top of you know just controlling the currency. So the the main point here is, is that the Ministry of Finance was extremely powerful. Now the BOJ governed through window guidance and window guidance is basically telling banks that loan out to industries or individuals that you have X amount of a quota to meet actual loan your loans so if they say you're above your quota you can't loan anymore they can't if they were under their quota they were forced to to find borrowers to move the economy so they were through this window guidance, they actually controlled the velocity of money, which is, I'm going to turn back to in this artificial intelligence because the window guidance is key to redoing central banking. Now, the BOJ told the, the banks um, through window guidance what loans that they were to do, and that helped rebuild Japan. So by reducing the shareholder class, the Zaibatsus, and being more focused on um, individual return for the shareholders, um, it was more focused on what the society needs to regrow quickly. And the Ministry of Finance and the BOJ focused on that and forced the money to flow a certain way. So it was a, it, it was a war economy, post-war, through the Ministry of Finance and the BOJ, through its window guidance system. Um, the war economy system uh, adapted to consumer goods. So during the war, this system, this, this system of, of window guidance and what needs to be created for, you know, these many tanks, these many planes, these many munitions, turned out to end up being these many cars, these many, uh, you know, CDs, or not CDs, but, uh, um, you know, Sony products or this many motorcycles, whatever. So it, it switched to a consumer goods market, but it wasn't free market. It was still a war economy, which is totally, it's not in the textbooks when we, when we talk about the reconstruction effort in Japan. Now, uh, this created a, a wealth and, and goods effect, uh, a wealth and, and growth effect for the nation, but it wasn't shareholder based. So... If done correctly, this there's remnants of this where you can actually have more of an egalitarian society if you have window guidance that's sensing certain aspects in the society or globally. This is where the knowledge accelerator that my research was in can be applied. It can be, it can redo and turn and prevent bubbles and, 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 and decelerations of economies because it's in control of the window guidance. But for it to happen, it has to, it has to nationalize the banks and it has to destroy the central banking concept of how it may, creates money. And the AI through through um, the knowledge accelerator is actually 
controlling the economy by controlling the velocity of money instead of some banker that's saying oh you know what if as long as i can get as long as i can have a uh, a better bonus i don't care if i blow up the economy or not the knowledge accelerator doesn't have that greed incentive because it's not programmed into it but the, so you can kind of see where i'm going with the, the you know the, the future lectures here now the uh, created it, it created a, a wealth and growth effect but it wasn't shareholder based and the um and that market share building up market share was more important than dividends and interest and and and, and uh, profitability um this is part of the negative aspect it, it's somewhat positive and partly negative if you just focus on market share um you're growing 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 and growing and um you you might be actually becoming not very profitable by doing that but through a knowledge accelerator you can control this it, it would be a, the ability to say okay you need to focus on market share now and not it can it's like an accelerator that's accelerating and decelerating you can control that so the Japanese were focused during this time period not on profitability but market share and that's why they were doing steel dumping in the United States and destroying the steel industry in, in, in another nation and there was a lot of trade kind of almost like a trade war especially in steel between the United States and Japan um, you heard some of this kind of thing in, with, with China and the United States with, with price dumping. But um, this is part, you can see parts of the remnants of the, the war effort because it was all about winning the war. It wasn't about the, uh, the profitability of the, uh, the, the plant that was creating the, the tanks and the, the, the airplanes and the, and the ships. It was win the war, right? So they wanted it, that, that, that same mentality. You win the war by gaining market share, not profitability. The profitability will come later. Now, the in a lot of the United States, but while these companies were going out of business, a lot of the U.S. businesses were trying to adapt, adapt this kind of policy. The thing was is that in the United States, we had a more shareholder-based economy right that wasn't that that wasn't really propped up through window guidance from the MOF or the BOJ so we were trying to adopt a system that didn't fully have all the components to it and that's why it didn't work and then by trying to just gain market share destroyed shareholder value they didn't understand what was really going on with, with the, the Japanese economy so now the war economy and the international trade. Now uh, to control this system in, in Japan, there, it was it was controlled through a cartel, um, uh, with competing domestic producers, and that was through the window guidance. It was it, you control that cartel through the window guidance. So you could say, okay, uh, X Y Z company is going to get this much uh, uh, for loans. And this company will get this much for loans, and you can control the um, the uh, the state of the sector. And um, 
the BOJ had the power to basically say, well, that company may not get any any money, and because it's it's reduced its ability to grow, it starts to shrink and, and not be able to be competitive. So the cartel was controlled through the window guidance. Japan took foreign market share through this through this system. They didn't care about profitability. It was about gain market share, and they could get the loans from the BOJ through the window guidance system as long as they were part of the, the overall agenda. Um, now, the window guidance system was antithetical to the free market system uh, because it was a planned economy. Now, the 1965, in 1965, the Japanese bond, bonds were issued and um, the MOF, or the Ministry of Finance, um, proceeded on issuing government debt and government spending started to increase. Now, this is around the late 50s is when the, 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 the shift started to take place that the, the, that, remember, the MOF, the Ministry of Finance, had control of the BOJ officially through through the law the banking law the boj near the end near the end of the 50s wanted more and more autonomy but the the mof didn't want to give it so what was happening is that the boj actually started curtailing some of the loans through the window guidance system in the early 60s and it started to slow down the economy and they were thinking, well, you got to do fiscal spending then. The, the government has to spend more. Well, if the government doesn't have the money, then the government has to issue bonds. So this was a long-term play from the BOJ to get autonomy by forcing the government to go into debt. Now remember, they went into debt because they stopped creating money to provide for businesses to grow. Now remember, window guidance was for per productive purposes, not speculative purposes. That's why the system worked. When people say, if the bank just keeps on creating money, it's going to create inflation. No, 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 no. Only if it's for speculative purposes does it create inflation. If it's creating it for productive purposes, it's actually growing the economy. And that's the little dirty secret about free market capitalism, is that you can actually take away the power from the central bank and take the power away from from all the big banks that we have today, like you know, uh, uh, Citibank or J.P. Morgan or Goldman Sachs. You could totally destroy them, nationalize it, use artificial intelligence and a knowledge accelerator, and actually have a con you can use window guidance to give loans out to companies that are actually going for productive purposes. And it, it takes away the incentive to actually produce and create money for specula speculation and reduce the speculative equilibrium that I've written about. So the answer has already happened. It's just no one wants to talk about it. And the beauty of it is, is it can be automatically created through an AI. So, so, um, I know I'm jumping around here. It's a lot of information, and hopefully over time I'll, I'll 
reiterated in a little bit more cohesive manner. Um, now, the MOF, Ministry of Finance, is is put up in a, in a corner that they have to they have to help the economy, and they didn't realize that the BOJ was starting to reduce their window guidance to industries. And because of that, the, the economy starts to, to falter. The BOJ wanted the government to get into debt so they can blame the Ministry of Finance that their policies weren't correct and that they should get autonomy, that the BOJ should get autonomy for money creation. All right? And this is tied into an overall concept of central banks getting autonomy away from the actual sovereign government to be able to be controlled and orchestrated outside of, of, of government influence. So this is kind of like an uber government controlling central, central banks by creating friction between their internal um, system to control their own currency and it, you know, and people are, are fooled and they say, well, the Ministry of Finance did you know isn't growing the economy they, they created unemployment we should destroy the ministry of finance and put it into the boj and have them control it because the politicians don't don't know what they're doing but that was like a smoke screen to actually have money creation 100 percent of money creation legally um in an entity that's actually privately owned and controlled at an uber level outside of of a, of a sovereign nation so the federal reserve is not controlled by the for example the federal reserve for the united states is not controlled by congress congress could congress could write an, a law to, to abolish it but money creation is actually at the federal reserve level and it's outside government the federal reserve is not a government entity so um So central bankers, during this time, as the government is starting to increase its debt, the, uh, Japan's government starts to increase its debt through debt issuance, the central bank bankers call for reforms, and in 1980, it was asking for deregulation of capital, all right? And in 1986, reform plan uh, proposals were, were announced, um, the ones that were at the central bank level, we're starting to issue these five-year plans of what they would like to see um, for the uh, changes in, in this reform structure. Because you, you, internally in the BOJ and possibly in other, other regions of the, of the government, I, I suspect, but internally, especially at the BOJ, they wanted to create a crisis to get the law passed to give them autonomy. Because the way the law was at the time, the banking law, was is that the MOF, the Ministry of Finance, was in control of the BOJ. So it so have a little bit of a recession. It, you know, there's a lot of debt that's created. Uh, you know, things aren't doing so well, uh, Ministry of Finance. What are you gonna do about it? Even though we we have proof positive that window guidance is the real mechanism for money velocity. 
and through money velocity, if it goes into productive aspects of the economy, is beneficial to the society. But if you reduce that, it actually forces a recession. So what, what's going on here is in 1986, the reform plan proposal, um, there was an introdu introduction of US-style free markets. So here, Reaganism, you know, Reagan, Thatcher, uh, 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 doctrine to liberalize markets uh, to prevent so you, now you're getting outside influence outside influence to actually reduce the war economy for Japan to go back to pre-war shareholder world it's it, it, it's fascinating how the United States supported a war economy during the reconstruction effort that was highly similar to what Hitler was doing in Germany. They supported it. And then when Reagan's coming in, is pushing to go back to pre-war um, free market, Zaibatsu kind of like economy and, and destroy the war economy. So the war economy is, you know, basically, you know, late 20s, through the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, parts of the 80s and 90s, and then it starts to, to break away. So Reagan, Thatcherism, liberalization of markets is starting to take hold here, and they wanted to eliminate the war economy. Now the BOJ, on the side of the of free market capitalism, um, you know, wanted the reforms because they wanted the autonomy. And, they, and the way to control the sovereign nations is to control the money supply. So if the Ubers can control all the individual, if they can reduce the number of central banks in the world, it's easier to control. And that if those central banks have true autonomy for money creation, then it's easier for them to coordinate for the Uber government. So this is kind of like a mechanism to try to reduce the sovereign nation to do, deciding what it wants, which is against what I've mentioned in other lectures about the Westphalian system where it's it, you know there is a right to self-determination and and, 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 and and sovereignty of the nation and that you know not to be influenced by external forces yet the uber nation or the, the uber system and the uh, privatization and the uh, uh, the autonomy creation for central banks is anti actually post Westphalian so the BOJ was all for this stuff. And then um, there was a need uh, for, a, for a crisis because there was pushback because of the, the, of course, during the war economy, there was lots of graft and, 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 and um, uh, political favors and, 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 you know, power systems that had to be dissolved if this free market system was to reduce the strength and the importance of the Ministry of Finance. And people in the Ministry of Finance were fighting it. And people that were in the LDP and in, 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 um, in the diet were in the government were fighting some of these BOJ, free market capitalism, Reagan, Thatcher doctrines because they were gonna lose power in, in the system. So they, there was this struggle, uh, free market capitalists, or maintain the status quo. So 
the BOJ said the only way to get the system to change is actually to create a crisis. This is in 1986. What do we get? Early 90s, the big crash. All right, so how did, how did they create the bubble? So they created the bubble through loan growth, through the window guidance that was happening early on during the, um, the early war economy days to be able to control the, the industries. So they said, okay, but remember, they were sending it for productive purposes for the, the window guidance, not speculative purposes. So what do you, how do you destroy something? Put a lot of money in speculative speculation. So loan growth to, to fuel a bubble, all right, through the through window guidance. So the Japanese government, they, they use Japanese government techniques, um, um, or the, the concept of the Japanese government, uh, sorry, the concept of the Japanese management techniques were superior and that they that's why their economy grew was total bullshit. Total bullshit. All right? And what it really was, it was just curtailing money velocity towards productive purposes versus speculative purposes. And during the war economy years, majority of it, um, most of the money went for for productive purposes and that is what allowed the economy to grow so quickly all right and if you put money and we saw this with with Lehman if you put money towards productive purposes then the ability to pay back the loan makes more sense but if you loan out for speculative purposes eventually the speculation is going to end and there's going to be a crash and a lot of people that took those loans out for those speculations is going to not is going to default and the banks are going to be suffering so they may get they may get um a short-term benefit from the the big climb but the real society didn't it, it didn't help and this is the big problem that we have today it's because there was too much speculation going on uh with money creation instead of going towards real loans you, you heard this in 19 uh, in uh, 2010 and 20 and all the way through now but definitely in, in 2010 where people were saying, well, I want to build a business, but I can't get a loan. Because the banks weren't willing to loan out to businesses. But they sure as hell would loan out to, to maybe, you know, some sort of speculation overseas for, for asset markets. If a law was created or if a system was created, an AI, a knowledge accelerator, or just human beings that are focused on some rule-based economics prevent speculation, speculative growth, uh, loan growth, then we would actually, and, and move loans towards productive purposes, we would actually have a growing economy and not have the boom and bust cycle that we have. The boom and bust cycle basically, I'm not saying always, but it could heavily be curtailed, all right? And the boom and bust cycle um, wouldn't, wouldn't um, especially the bust cycle, wouldn't be so catastrophic to a nation's um, economics if better regulation on how loans are divvied out for money velocity. But for that to happen, you have to destroy the banking industry and you have to destroy the central banks. And central banks don't need to create the money. It actually the treasury, just like the BOJ, you know, the, uh, the, the, the Ministry of Finance, you don't need to have the central bank do it. That's the beauty of this, is that you can just create 
money inside the banking system and the regulations are stated that certain quotas have to go out to certain industries to be able to target and grow that industry. And it prevents the speculation that's going on in, in, the, in the stock market. It's a totally different paradigm shift. And, it, and actually, in, in general, it'll prevent the bus cycle, um, the business bus cycle. Now, the, uh, so the, the Japanese management technique system, that was the reason why it was the big growth during the, the, the reconstruction period and through the, through the 80s was total BS. It was, it was 100% because of the way the window guidance was orchestrated. Uh, lend in, um, lend in, um, oh, so the lending that the BOJ during this time period were totally for non-productive, not totally, but a lot of it went into non-productive purposes. And so that went into properties, properties and created a property asset bubble. And then not only that, it also went into the stock market too. And it wasn't, it, none of this was productive. There is no, nothing that's more unproductive in terms of loaning as you do loaning large sums of money for property and for stock. Because what will happen is, is that if the money is there, the people will start buying more of that asset. And because there's a herd effect, the, the, the asset of those homes or the stocks will start to climb faster than the true value. It's what we call fundamental value or speculative value, right? So it goes into speculative equilibrium because of this herd effect, and it deviates from the fundamental value. So home prices, let's face it, home prices cannot appreciate as fast as they, they are in reality. It's only because there's productive, non-productive loans being issued out. So the perception is, oh, there's a lot of people wanting to buy. But that's only because it's created through uh, uh, loaning out from the banks, all right? But if you have window guidance to prevent that, or if you have window guidance to actually accelerate it, you can actually prevent a bubble or you can promote a bubble. You're creating a bubble. And the BOJ created a bubble to force the regulation of the rewrite of the law so they had full autonomy of the way the currency market was instead of from the, from the, from the Ministry of Finance. So this created this subprime lending concept where as they want to push out more and more of the loans through the window guidance, they forced the banks to find a, find a lender. This, happened, this exactly happened with the concept of, of uh, I think it was called uh, greenlining. Um, before Lehman, way before Lehman, they call it redlining, where they wouldn't loan out money to certain uh, neighborhoods because of the uh, socioeconomic um, um, and, and demographic aspects to the neighborhood. So African-Americans had, had a lot, and minorities had a lot of time, had a hard time to get loans. Well, when they greenlined these things, they were, because they normally didn't make a lot of money, that when they greenlined them, they start loaning out for, to subprime lenders. And the, these, these, uh, these loans eventually falter. Same thing happened in, in Japan. They, through the window guidance system, they force 
subprime lending because the BOJ wanted the, the economy to crash to, to force the government to restructure and rewrite the laws. Now, capital outflows due to credit creation. Um, so when you create money and you've pretty much loaned it all out in the, you know, loaned as much as you can domestically, some of that money, hot money, will go and flow overseas because companies might say, I can't grow my company anymore. You've, all, you, you've already given me a trillion dollars worth of loans. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go overseas and buy some assets. So the hot money flows overseas and actually, because this is a strengthening of the yen, it can go over and buy tons of assets. And that's what happened in the United States. So they start buying a bunch of property and in, in Asia too for Japan. So, um, so uh, because of this large money supply, not all of it could be used in the, the, the domestic market and it went overseas and actually to purchase assets. Um, and most of this was non-GDP loans. So one way to capture if a crash is coming is to take a look at non-GDP loans to total loans. So the total loans that are going out in the system, if you look at the loans that are for speculation or non-GDP uh, uh, loans or non-GDP produced things, you look at that ratio. If that ratio starts to go up, the crash, the probability of a crash is coming now, land, um, uh, land appreciation and asset and 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 uh, stock market and other financial assets stop rising, and so you can only do this for so long. Non-productive loans, right? So you have. Uh, non-productive loans divided by total loans increasing. That ratio is increasing, and it's increasing the probability of a crash. And um, as it starts to lose steam in terms of appreciating those assets, either in property or in in asset markets um, or you know financial markets, the crash comes, and the crash is asymmetric. So it, it, it crashes hard. All right. So once it started crashing, what did the BOJ do? They stopped window guidance, all right? And they stopped giving money out. So they didn't allow for QE to slow, to slow down the, the, the deceleration of the economy. So they did the opposite of what Bernanke did for, for, for uh, the Lehman crash, right? They did it on purpose. They didn't want to save the economy. They didn't want to save the the, the deflationary effects of the crash because they wanted to make the deflation because it forced the, the Ministry of Finance to restructure itself and the government to restructure itself and to rewrite the banking law because the people would blame the BOF, the, the, uh, I'm sorry, the MOF, the Ministry of Finance, for the recession and the loss in assets. Okay, so the, the failed ba bailout. So the MOF, the the Ministry of Finance, the interest rate, interest rate demand, interest rate demand went down. Wait, hold on. This doesn't make sense for my notes here.
Okay, so the, the Ministry of Finance demanded for the BOJ to lower rates. Okay, this is the uh, what we call like the federal funds rate, right? So they to, to lower rates. So normally when an economy starts to go down, you lower rates. When the economy starts to go up, you raise rates. That's what's taught in the textbooks, all right? But what's really going on is it's all about money velocity and, and, and credit creation. It has nothing to do with interest rates because you can be in a high interest rate environment and have a lot of creation of money or no creation of money. And the same thing, you can have high creation of money and a low interest rate or no creation of money and a low interest rate. And we have proof of this because money velocity wasn't very good when Bernanke did you know, the quantitative easing. But what's interesting is what's coming up here. So the MOF said, oh, we're going into a recession. Can you please, can you please lower rates? Because the BOJ officially controlled interest rates. They didn't, they didn't have this, this, you know, they didn't control it through officially, control it through the window guidance, but that's what really was happening. It was window guidance that was really creating money. So what, what they did was they lowered rates, all right, so they followed, the BOJ lowered rates and they followed the MOF's um, uh, suggestion, okay? But what did the BOJ do? They sterilized it. So when you lower rates, it allows, it, it, uh, you go into the market, you're buying bonds and you're giving money to the banks that have the bonds, all right? So they, are, they, they have money to be able to loan out. Okay, so that part of it created money. Now there's another part that sterilized that creation. So the BOJ sterilized operations, um, and by sterilizing that operation, they could, through the window guidance, say, well, we don't want you to loan out that money. So the money velocity wasn't there. So the money was created, put it in the bank, but they wasn't allowed to be loaned out. Or they could go into the into the... Uh, currency market and actually have open operations and, and control the yen, strengthen the yen or, or weakening the yen. And through this sterilization process, it kept the yen strong. And when you have a strong yen, you can't export your way out of the problem. They needed a weak yen. So the BOJ sterilized the suggestion from the MOF, and that's too, behind the scenes, too complicated for the average public to understand. And was able to blame the bubble on the MOF. Okay, so what happens? So the stimulation package was announced for uh, uh, for through uh, uh, the stimulation package for fiscal stimulation package. So we the United States has a fiscal and a monetary stimulus package. So Congress says, okay, we're going to have a fiscal stimulus package on top of what the Federal Reserve was doing. Well. The BOJ wasn't playing. Playing, they were they were sterilizing, so they didn't create money, and so it forced the fiscal um, stimulus package to try to to help the economy, and they did that through the bond markets, and they went and sold more bonds. They went more into debt. Remember what the BOJ wants: the government to go into debt to blame the MOF to be able to rewrite the law for autonomy of, of money creation, legally. All right, they were creating money behind the scenes. So what what so what this did was it creates something called a crowding out effect. So domestic when you have domestic uh, purchasers of the bonds, the the domestic purchasers of the bonds um, 
lends out the money to to the government because they bought the bonds they lend the money out they, they buy the bonds the, the government now has the money and then the government uses that money for some sort of social program or fiscal program build roads or make train stations or whatever all right because the, there's fixed amount of money money isn't growing because the BOJ is preventing it what happens is, is that the consumer is saving and not spending so there's no domestic spending and it's, there's a crowd out effect for, for the, uh, that results from it so domestic borrowers because there was domestic borrowers for the bond market it didn't have an effect in the economy so it didn't help it it didn't help even though the headline news oh fiscal program you know 100 billion dollars put it into the economy if it's domestic buyers it doesn't matter it doesn't help so 1992 to 2002 there were many stimulus packages in this whole kind of game that was that was that was uh taking place now remember the big market crash was in like 91 92 i can't, I can't remember and um they were trying to get out of this through fiscal stimulation fiscal stimulation boj wasn't playing right so it was it ended up being about 230 percent of the gdp in in 20 in 2011 the debt so the the government debt was 230 percent there's probably more now but 230 percent of gdp so two and two point three or whatever uh times more than the actual japanese economy um the mof the ministry of finance uh started to get the blame for this of course right they're they're in the public eye right they're the ones controlling the economy so the power and central bank the boj um could be buyers of bad debt like what they were in right after the war they could have came in and said okay we're gonna buy all this debt that's on the on the bank, bank's balance sheets that are that's that's faltering because the economy's in the toilet and recapitalize the banks and go back to more of a controlled economy they could um, uh, Lord Turner talks about this. He has a, he's, he has some great books, and I've, I've uh, listened to him speak at INET, uh, which is George Soros's kind of economic um, think tank. And he has this you know good idea. You know, well, you you basically nationalize the debts of of what's going on in Europe. You just buy all the debt. The ECB buys all the debt and and recapitalizes the banks and issues new money. And just keeps it on the books and lets it expire or whatever um they could have done that now there were sector-based bubbles uh sector-based now to help the banks out in certain sectors the central bank has the power to say oh you go loan out to that sector and we'll protect the we'll protect the automotive sector or we'll protect the steel sector and these other sectors we're not going to allow you to loan to and it can it could falter so they can still help the banks by by um you know issuing where they want the loans to go accounting changes also okay so i had to restart the video it, tied down you know it, it 
it uh, died on me. So, okay, so I ended with the BOJ could help the banks by buying the bad debt, similar to what they did right after the war. They could help certain sectors by uh, certain se sectors that were affected by the bubble by targeting certain types of loan programs. They could change the accounting rules for balance sheet to help the banks. Um, the taxpayers could recapitalize and, uh, and uh, help the, the bank to be able to be more healthy, but that creates a moral hazard. The BOJ refused to, do, to, to use policies to reduce the crisis because they wanted the economic downturn um, and to use it as an excuse for restructuring of the Ministry of Finance and uh, the law, the, the, the banking law. So what they did was, in effect, they basically reduced the money supply and made it worse. Now, um, not sure why I had this note here, Cold War propaganda. Probably, it, it says here, uh, Japan adopted U.S. style economy. Probably what was going on is the BOJ was using this uh, war economy strategy that was going on for throughout the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, um, and was saying it's, it's failing because it was too, com you know, quote, communistic or too socialistic or too collective. And it, it wasn't promoting the Reagan-Thatcher doctrine of liberalization of markets. Now, dismantling of the Minister, Ministry of Finance. The U.S. was forcing deregulation. They wanted deregulation of, of the markets to, to allow for goods and services to uh, flow freely to Japan. So they were forcing securitization um, and uh, open of insurance industry in Japan. Interesting enough, you know, it was the banking sector, you know, like Goldman, the Goldman Sachs of the world that were really pushing for this. So the Ministry of Finance officials were were hunted down versus uh, per their the scandals that were going on in in, in uh, that war economy, you know, because there was a lot of graft that was going on. There were a lot of um, there was a lot of corruption, and well, to one of the purging effects that was going on is just hunt them down and and uh, put them on trial and scare the people in the the finance ministry to capitulate. And they were also blamed for the bubble and the deflation um, using this war economy strategy. But yet the real reason why it happened was the window guidance that was taking place for non 
productive GEP loans that actually created the bubble in the first place by the BOJ. So this led to, because of this purging effect, this led to um, the autonomy that the BOJ was looking for through the rewriting of the central bank banking law of 1998. Now, the central bank bankers, um, I'm sorry. Now, after that law was actually instituted, then, then the there was the formation of the of uh, the economy through Kawazumi um, as as the president or prime minister. Um, there, it was the the reformer. He was a reformer first, then growth. So a lot of the prime ministers were you know going well. We, should, we need growth. We need growth. We need growth. And he was kind of more of a um, a Reaganite in a way japan saying we have to reform the system so the banking law is is rewritten it gives autonomy to the boj but there's still internal structure that remains of the of, of the strength of the mof so kawazumi is forcing more reform more um reduction of that war economy uh, and move it more towards a free market system. So he wanted to undo the war economy through, you know, from bank to, 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 to stock markets. And he wanted to reduce the bank deposit guarantees that were promoted earlier. So there were tax incentives to stop. There were tax incentives for the for stock market investing. So people remember when the Zaibatsus were were destroyed, were curtailed, and, and, and tried to be eliminated during the war. And then after the wars, the Zaibatsus were, were uh, curtailed even more because of the U.S. reconstruction effort. The power of the, the shareholder was reduced, and it was, it was the power of the state and the people that, meant, that was more, more powerful for that corporation um, because of the societal um, goal to rebuild and... Um, it was more collectivism, and it was it was more the, the wealth was more distributed. Now, when people would say, "Well, you need you need free markets and cap," you know, uh, a shareholder shareholder based capitalism, and that's the only way through trickle down economics that people would have prosperity. That's not true because it, it happened in Japan where it wasn't shareholder based, and actually the distribution of wealth was much better. And this actually might be. One of the one of the hints of how to fix some of the um, the pernicious issues with income distribution, um, you know, where there's more haves than have not. You know, there there are more there 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 is a growing 
uh, wealth um, with a few and a growing inequality with the many. So there's, there's this parietal distribution where there's very few people that have accumulated a lot of the, the wealth of the nation. This is in Piketty's book on capitalism. Um, so unemployment increased because of this these the reconstruct the restructuring of the of the economy. And in 2002, the BOJ weakened uh, bank balance sheets, forcing uh, foreclosures on on certain borrowers. Now the BOJ's goal was to nationalize the banks and and force bankruptcies. So there was some there there was some that I I guess in a way officially the banks were still on their own even though they couldn't do much because of regulation with the with the window guidance it was heavily regulated through the window guidance of what they could loan out. But the way the system was because of the finance uh, the Ministry of Finance that. They, they, there was a lot of cartels and, and you're controlling the cartels and making sure that they're you know they're moving into a growth mode but now what's happening is because of the economy faltering there's def deflation banks are not getting their loan payments because of the subprime lending that was going on even co uh, companies that used to be profitable are not as profitable or not at, uh, not profitable at all um, not being able to service their debt and so the banks are weakened and instead of the BOJ stepping up and using certain policy measures to help that out they didn't and what it did was it forced banks um, to start foreclosing on borrowers so bankruptcies went up and this was under the guidance of Kakanaka, uh, Kakanaka uh, San in at the BOJ. Now it benefited foreign vulture funds, and um, because remember, the United States was promoting this idea of of uh, capitalization uh, not capitalization the US was trying to force the dismantling of the MOF by uh, being able to securitize certain distressed assets and then also opening up the the insurance industry alright so during this during this time with Kakanaka as the BOJ, as the head of the BOJ, um, what was going on is, is that as the foreclosures were taking place, distressed assets were starting to become securitized and then vulture funds came in and bought them. Some of these vulture funds were actually instituted from Goldman Sachs. So Goldman Sachs was one of the largest ones that were actually doing the securitization and making profits doing the securitization and trading this stuff. So here you have like a uh, uber government that's trying to get autonomy for a central bank that breaks down um, uh, 
the society and starts selling off its assets in a securitization format and a middleman like or a fund like Goldman Sachs comes in and actually is securitizing this stuff and selling it off to you know to to their their clients to, to buy assets that are that are distressed and they make profit by doing the securitization something similar was going on with with Greece Greece needed Greece needed to look healthier to get into the EU and use Goldman Sachs to do it by doing bond, the, bond, the types of bonds that they were doing. And Goldman Sachs made money by doing by underwriting with the, the securitization of this stuff. And then later down the road, it was a debt that, that the, the Greeks couldn't afford and totally imploded their economy and Goldman Sachs made their money. So this is part of the reason why I think Goldman Sachs, this theory, this economic theory that I'm starting to develop with the knowledge accelerator and the AI, I still have to solidify the concept, but part of, uh, part of this idea is, is that it could actually not need the big banks like Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan's. That this all this could be nationalized, and the, the and the elimination of the Federal Reserve banks, or any kind of reserve bank system, and the actual creation of money is actually at the Treasury, and not needed at a central bank level, and that it's not polluted by politics because of the automatic stabilizers that are built into the money creation system, and the money creation system is just digital. So it would be an abolishment of, it's still fiat, but it's electronic fiat. And by using the automatic stabilizers, you're controlling the money supply and a concept with the, the window guidance, be able to curtail loans to the, the, the banks. And these loans could be uh, strengthening the local banks and strengthening the local economies and strengthening the sovereignty of of the of the individual nations and of the states and of the cities and not erode the sovereignty to an uber government so to help destroy this this pernicious activity that's taking place from the uber government by having tentacles into the, the different central banks of those regions and controlling the money supply and affecting the economy you break the tentacles by making central banking illegal and, and nationalizing or totally selling off, totally dismantling through trust busting the, the banks, the large banks, and it turns into a local banking system like we used to have. And that the money supply is controlled through automatic stabilizers and it acts as if because of the automatic stable, it acts as if it's, it's, because it's it's curtailing productive uh, loans to production and 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 uh, uh, it's forcing certain types of loans for production per, per purposes for GDP. Not all those loans are going to to be serviced um, without defaults. Of course, there's going to be defaults, but it also reduces the amount. It doesn't eliminate, but it will reduce 
drastically the amount of speculation for loan, non-GDP loans. And what that will do is it will actually stabilize the housing market. It will actually stabilize the financial assets. So we're going to have these wild swings of asset appreciation or asset deflation. Radically different. Radically different. And it's very doable. So here's an example where Goldman Sachs was part of this, this, uh, this um, securitization of the assets, the distressed assets that were that developed after this crash in Japan. Now, pre in pre-war Japan, it was very similar to the U.S. style economy, shareholder property rights. Um, during the post-war, there were um, during and 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 in the post-war, it's it was actually very socialistic through through the. The help of CIA through the help of um, uh, the United States, through the CIA through the the funding of the LDP through the U.S. Um, uh, reconstruction effort through the 50s through the orchestration of the MOF and how it was controlling the economy, um, but then things turned. And there was the need for restructuring and, and uh, autonomy of the bank and the opening of, you know, of, of liberalization of markets through the, the Reagan and Thatcher doctrine that moved this more to a new world order kind of concept where the central bank is not beholden to the government anymore, that it has autonomy for money creation. It's reducing the strength of of the treasure, their treasury, or their their uh, 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 economic nationalism, which, by the way, is what created this country, economic nationalism. But uh, that that by reducing that strength, it weakens the country to allow the Ubers to be able to control it. But as long as the government says, you know what? We're, in, we're going to be in control of our own destiny. And you restructure central banking, restructure the big banks, and do the trust busting and promote local, local bank system, um, you'll actually have a more prosperous nation. And you won't have the swings. You'll have steady growth and, and, and repeated steady growth instead of these wild swings of inflation, deflation. Um, but during the during and, and post-war years, it was actually socialistic, not not open market like like some of the textbooks would uh, promote. And what I call the post post-war, um, which is the modern day uh, world that we have in Japan, that's now shareholder based. So in essence, you know, um, the BOJ in the modern form is now in control of the currency and structural reforms have taken place and are still taking place in Japan to make the economy more um, uh, free market 
what's interesting is is that the Japanese economy is still not out of its zero bound interest rates and it's still um, fluttering it's still going up and down and not not really having a strong growth pattern um, part of that reason is not all the structural reforms that you know the society still isn't the society still isn't fully free market. You can, the United States can't sell uh, Ford automobiles easily in, in Japan. Um, so it's not really an open market like the United States wants. And because the Uber government is somewhat in control of what they want the BOJ to do, because a lot of the central banks have to coordinate, and it's coordinated through an Uber kind of system, um, the BOJ is not using its window guidance cr credit creation mechanism to actually help the economy. So this is a new spin on some of the theories that that Richard Koo had that it was balance sheet recession, that during a recession people stopped spending money, um, which is true, uh, and, and stop loaning, and that reduces the money velocity. But um, He's, he, there, there's another take on this, and that is um, a big part of this was orchestrated through orchestrated bubble creation through the, wind, the window guidance and the lack of regenerating uh, GDP productive loans to lo total loans isn't happening. Part of it, it, part of it is because Richard Kuh thinks that the balance sheet recession, people don't have, don't want to take out the loan because they don't see a productive outcome out of it for their business, um, which is partially true. Um, but I think. Actually, the BOJ is actually preventing the Japanese government from actually getting out of its doldrum. That if it created money, if it did money creation, a, a credit creation, and increased the loans to productive venues of the economy, then it would actually grow the economy. And it's it, I don't know why it didn't happen when you know, after the tsunami and, and Fukushima, why they didn't have these credit-creating mechanisms and th these window guidances to, to grow the economy. And the answer is, is because they really don't have an open market like the United States and other nations wants, and therefore it, it's going to chokehold their, their, con their, their constituents, their society, BOJ is not preventing the flow of funds, the money velocity that's needed to actually let the economy grow. So it's really actually an uber government going through the mechanism of central banking that's preventing the growth engine to continue in Japan. So that's the, that's the theory here. And, and, uh, and other lectures that I'll do will... will expand on this concept of the knowledge accelerator and using artificial intelligence to actually do the trust busting of the of the banking industry the the re, uh, to reduce the 
the nullification of sovereignty um, to prevent you know, to, that we would actually prevent the uber government to actually take sovereignty away from a nation and to grow local bank system and have money creation through a automatic stabilizer and knowledge accelerator through the treasury and circumvent a cent the, the whole central bank cabal so that's that's the theory and i'll you know i'll start trying to promote this this concept of mine and uh, you know go forward but thank you for listening and have a nice day